Welcome, listeners, to A Night of Shreds and Patches, an immersive actual play podcast. This episode features the talents of... Penn Van Batavia as... Marathon Messenger. Kit Adamas as... Birdie Foundling. Cameron Robertson as... Emma Blackwood. Sydney Whittington as... Cassidy Shard. Allie Nesbitt as... Randare. Kira Nesbitt as... Cypheravex. Nick Robertson as GM and narrator. Hello, listeners. This is your editor, Sydney, with today's messages. Thanks again to Fern Gully for supplying the spicy literature highlighted in this episode. The Patna is always so excited to get a chance to read them. We'd also like to give a warm welcome to our newest patron, John Michael. We're very happy to have you join us around our cozy campfire. Backing our Patreon gives you access to bonus episodes, campfire conversations, and other fun rewards, and also just brightens all our moods. Also, news from our current guests. Ali and Kira's podcast, RPG for You and Me, has several shows under its umbrella, but their main show, Neon Heat, is just starting its fourth season now. Conspiracy, slice of life, and food abound. Check out the link in the show notes. And with that, we wrap up today's announcements and head into Season 2, Episode 21. Oilier than I thought it would be. And so, join us. For now, our tale to yours attaches to carry hope, a night of shreds and patches. from our adventure contacts, chasing decoding tools and a potential wild tech cache following Cypher as Cypher, and with rather nebulous promises of payment and favors. <laughs> but Emma said I needed to be more polite, so I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, I guess. Marathon also made friends with Cypher and announced it loudly to the night sky, and I imagine Birdie and Ren were doing the same thing, but more quietly. Maybe this job will finally be the one that doesn't end in tripping on yet more adventure knowledge hoarding. We open on the clearing next to a peaceful glen and a gentle waterfall. We can see that both the Patna's rig and Ren and Cypher's Velocitractor and trailer are parked. Camp is being broken as they prepare to move on, headed towards their new job, their new mystery to unearth. How is everyone preparing to leave? Cyphera is being directed by Ren because Cyphera can more easily move their things to where they need to be and pack things up properly. And there's probably some back and forth in terms of like, where does this go? A little more left. Which, that's not... More le- You're not mine, yours. Okay. Here? No. Here? Yeah. 
Okay. But she's, you know, not listening very well because she's also moving Servo into his docking port at the front of the trailer, trying to get him all hooked up. There's a lot of grinding sounds and Servo keeps making kind of lackluster beeping sounds as it tries to back up. Emma is preparing to get back in the car by doing some more stretches after she finishes packing up her tent. So she's sitting on the ground in the clearing next to the rig with her legs spread out and a triangle and is reaching and trying to fully grab her left foot and hold that stretch to just try to loosen up the muscles a little bit before they then go and sit in the same position for a long time. Birdie got done pretty early and is sitting in the back of the rig and is currently sorting through all of the books that they have and is trying to decide which one they're going to read on the trip up to their next location and is just flicking through them while going, hmm, I already read that. Hmm, no. And you just hear her throw out adjective of, no, boring. No, not smutty enough. Mm, too smutty. Cassidy's sitting in the front seat of the rig, listening to Birdie make these observations and being slightly amused to herself while she is elaborating on the map that they're going to be using for travel that day with the location of the city described by Ren and Cypherra and the terrain and stuff that they've seen while they were here. Marathon had packed up early in the morning, had been doing push-ups and got frustrated with this flannel that was hanging around her waist because she kept having to slip it on and slip it off because it got too warm and then it was too cold just wearing a tank top. And so she's disappeared around one of the rig corners for a little bit and we just hear a little bit of fabric ripping. And then Marathon comes back around the corner and she's got over her tank top now this flannel without sleeves and the collar popped up. She looks around and slicks back her hair as if anybody is watching and then gives herself a little flex, looks down at her bicep and starts picking up some of the books Birdie tossed. The sleeves are stuffed into Marathon's back pocket, we see, as spare cloth. And as the group finishes packing up camp. It goes very quickly. People woke up in their own time, did their routines in their own time. There is definitely a mission that still needs to be achieved, but no pressing disaster as far as anyone knows. So people are able to go their own pace as the Velocitractor and the rig rumble away from this peaceful clearing. We cut to... An open field a couple of hours later. It is very flat and smooth terrain, but unpaved. The two groups are cutting north towards their intended destination, as designated by Cassidy's wayfaring and Cypherra's instructions. And Cypherra and Ren, how do you ride in that? trailer contraption of yours. I always imagined it was on Servo's back in a big sort of saddle because he's large. He's a large boy, so he can accommodate two people, surely. Yeah, Cypher will ride there, but there will probably be times when she actually leaps onto the main rig, maybe even just sitting on top of it to stretch her legs out a little bit or recline and just be out on the roof, I guess. 
So the rig and the trailer pulled by Servo is rolling northward over this flat plain. They are driving parallel to each other at a relatively slow pace to avoid potholes. The windows of the rig are rolled down to allow for conversation between people seated in the driver's compartment and Ren and Cypheru. Ren is seated on Servo on a large saddle with enough room for two. She appears to have a directional radio focused towards the rolled down windows of the rig. And Cypheru is on top of the roof of the rig using her magnetic bow staff as an anchor while she leans over to here as you all are engaging in some literature. Cassidy is... Braced diagonally, her back to the front corner of the rig so that she's able to project both into the rig and out of the rig for all accompanying people because apparently the Advantia are curious as to what the Patnag get up to in their traveling. Felicity couldn't believe her luck. The Tun's diamond of the season laid out in all her glory for her eyes only. She trailed her gaze over Jane's smooth, tender skin, her faintly wet chest. (laughs) Jane smiled back at her, the faintest blush painting her maidenly cheek. Or perhaps not so maidenly anymore, for a tutor has many, many things to teach a young lady. And Felicity had only just begun with her lessons. Uh, is, uh, is there is there is there more Cass? Why is her chest wet? When did it get wet? It's Why good. Why it doesn't explain it? I think she's just chest. sweating. Yeah, it, you're nervous, you know. No, I mean no. That's a like, lot to what make a whole like, chest wet. It's like oh, a, like a, no like a warm room. Maidenly, <clears throat> maidenly. Aren't you glad I chose this one, guys? Right. I, I, I mean, I like you. it. Thank you, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Keep reading. Uh, <laughs> what, yeah, what's, Cassie, what's... you're an excellent reader. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? That's uh, the next part starts getting a little bit too much. I think for right now, we're gonna have to save that for the uh, after lunch session. Oh, oh, okay. Smart thinking. When we're all full, you know, it'll make sure we don't fall asleep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll be be too sleepy from food Ooh. focus. I mean, yeah, this 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 specific book I think appeals to uh, some needs of some people in this group. So better than straight romance. <laughs> I just don't understand why everyone's chests are wet. Author appeal. Would it be better if they used the term perhaps sopping? No. Mm. No. Wet chest is a great motif. It's it's just, for passion. Yeah. Just why is there moisture? I don't. Ugh. I mean, have you ever have you ever been naked? Uh, yes. I think everybody's <laughs> been naked around another Sarah. person. Oh my god! Ren. I was actually I was born wearing clothes. Yeah. And I never took them off. Classic roast. Got her. <laughs> Got her. Well done. Can't even cook a restaurant. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, if if y'all are completely dry during encounters of such a type. I feel like you're doing something wrong. I mean, like... (laughs) I can tell you, I am not dry. (laughs) Then you're doing it right. Congratulations. I am just not having these encounters. I mean, never 
mind. I don't. I don't even want to say it anymore. <laughs> hey, Bird. Well, no, what were you gonna say, Birdie? Yeah. Go ahead. Do you need me to Did read the next Birdie? line? Instead? No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your thought. What? No. Um, what? What were you gonna ask? Um, Ren? What? Were you gonna say something? Oh, I thought you were gonna say something. I was asking you what you were gonna say. Yeah, what were you gonna say? Listen, if this were someone's first exposure to intimate situations like this, then I feel like the message is they're gonna feel like they have to perhaps dab themselves with water beforehand to sort of like set the moisturize. Yeah. You should moisturize, though. I mean, you you don't want dry skin. Not with water, though. Yeah. I mean, lotion's like, what, a most percent water. I mean, what is more moist than water? Now, it's not something we do in Trial, but do people proposition themselves by wetting their chests or something? Or What? I never considered that. Like a that. regional ritual type thing? I don't know. Is that a regional thing? I mean, I've been to almost every major city. Yeah, actually, I have been to every major city. Which is the most erotic? Which has the most wet chests? Melaton? I feel like that's the same thing, but... Um, probably melatonin. There's just something about it, I guess. A lot of, lot of jazz. I would agree with melatonin. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, passion. Oh. Yeah, there's a guy there named Lenny B or whatever. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, Cassidy's such a great reader, right, Marathon? Yeah, actually, yes. <laughs> uh... Uh, <clears throat> Marathon looks at Birdie, gives a little squint, and it's like, actually, yes, um, mm-hmm. I am uh, confident, and your reading ability is very good. Am I, I'm confident in your reading ability. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Marathon holds a fist out to Birdie. Birdie just grins so delightfully and will give Marathon a fist bump. <laughs> Emma is watching this interaction in the rearview mirror, just slowly shaking her head as she drives. You continue for most of the day driving without any incident. This area has some sparse population, some small towns, but no real landmarks to speak of before you make it to the town that you were directed to. On the shore of the Glacial Sea is the town of Glacial itself. It is late spring, so none of the sharp ice is evident on the massive lake that gives Glacialf its name, but the water is placid and the town lies before you. So everybody give me a detail about this town of Glacialf on the Glacialf Sea. There's this sturdy steel and glass building that is just a spear into the sky, eight or ten stories up maybe from the actual compound below, and you can just look out and see lake. So maybe they turned that into a lighthouse. Maybe along the coast of the town, there's just all these dilapidated ships, all the boats that used to be out on the lake that have since fallen into disrepair or else sunk there's a lot of fish themed architecture kind of on the way in not in the way that there are like buildings that look like fish but in the way that like the streets on the way into town are lined with street lamps that look almost like there are fish swimming alongside the vehicles that come in they have little bubbles and water details and the street lamps are made to also seem almost water-themed in this little campy way that I think is just very charming. There are currently 
crews going across the town putting up banners and stuff for the annual walleye festival that's coming up in a few weeks. Almost in the center of town, going down the town is one long street that looks freshly paved, but also that it's been paved over many times. And at the same time, it's as if there's been digs chunked out of this road. And on either side of the road, we see graffiti on buildings. And on one side, you see things like can feds or can is another word for toilet or respect tradition. And then on the other side of the road, there is just as much graffiti saying like can is the future. And yes, we can. One that says can it losers. And one more that says we can feed the world. I think they've got some kind of water filtration thing set up where they can skim all of the oil and all of the byproducts of all of the shipwrecks like washing out. They can grab that and then harvest it. So not only are they keeping the pollution under control, they're able to make use of the most intact of the wrecks and then also just using the raw materials of the metal and everything to machine new stuff. So it's somewhat sustainable as long as there's a supply of destroyed materials to work from. Cool. Yeah, those are all great facts. I have a very clear picture of Glace Shelf in my mind. Your impromptu caravan rolls into the town of Glace Shelf along the central main street. The road appears to have been paved over and over again, which is interesting considering that it also appears to be damaged on either side, seemingly at random. The street lights are pieces of art in themselves that look like bubbles and waves. Bits of the architecture looks like schools of fish. Everything is beautiful and yet vandalized in a way that mars the beauty of the town. You see graffiti with indecipherable phrases on it that make no sense to you as you drive down this main street. You get to the end right up against a lagoon that looks out over some sort of fish nursery and beyond that the glacial sea itself. It looks like as good a place to park your vehicles as any. There is a small hunched old woman with deep, deep wrinkles that seem to almost hide her eyes and she is knitting and rocking in a chair back and forth on the edge of the lagoon. You can see two small groups of people on either side of the street that are emanating dissatisfaction, but don't appear to be looking for a fight with the other group at this time. So yeah, you're at the end of this road, you're in the town, you all know that you are looking for clues as to how to decipher Cypher's tattoo, and Cyphera had a lead that someone in this town knows how. You're also... Both groups fairly low on supplies, but you have enough money that if you needed to restock, this would be a good town to do it. Well, gang, should we split up and look for clues or? The Seyfera turns the group and says, all right, listen, this town's kind of full of a bunch of weirdos. And there's this ongoing sort of argument over the future of their town. Pretty standard stuff. You can see it's pretty clearly divided down the middle here. Does it have something to do with cans? I think so. Something to do with fish and cans and food. and Guessed it. Yeah. I would have liked a heads up about 
the oppressive smell. Well, who can remember? It's yeah, not it's great. Bad. From one side of the road, you hear someone who must have been within earshot shout, the stink is because of the cannery. And then someone from the other side says, shut up, you old timer, and throws a tin can with a hollow clank across. There is oily clouds of black smoke coming from one side of the town. And you can feel the general tension of these two groups go up a couple of notches. Listen, all I'm saying is anyone who's ever worked hard knows that you gotta, if you're working hard, then you start to smell. Sure, yeah, I don't mind it. <sighs> Better than the locker room. <laughs> it didn't smell all that bad. Y'all might need to see a doctor if that's true. <laughs> Marathon, do you smell like burning piles of fish? I don't know what they're burning that's making so much black smoke. I don't know. It was, it was just a joke about the old team. That's all, you know? Funny sweat joke based on my comment about sweat. Yeah. Speak talking about wet chests, huh? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Marathon goes for a shaky fist bump with Cypera. If your wet chest is smelling like fish, I don't think that you're going to get any company. Yeah, make sure you're showering. Marathon continues to commit with the fist bump. Cypera will bump back while also still. Ha ha ha. We see Cyphera and Marathon, at least, adjust the collars of their shirts uncomfortably. So the whole time the group is in the town here, Cyphera has a cloak on with the hood pulled up specifically to cover her fin ear. Uh, and she also has a glove on over her hand with the three mechanical finger attachment and is really just trying to cover up any sign of technology on her person. So her staff is folded up, tucked in the folds of her cloak, probably slung over one shoulder with a strap, but covered in the back of the cloak. And she has very wary eyes, trying to scope things out as much as possible. Well, do we want to go wandering? Should probably team up. Yeah. I need to go get more supplies, so... We need to resupply, too. If that's the direction that we think people will know things, or... If you two are going together, you'll need... A talker, not to insult either of your <laughs> charismatic abilities. <coughs> no, we could easily stand Ooh. in silence. It would be great. Um, Ren pokes her head around Servo after getting him properly settled and turns around and just gravitates back towards Cyphera anyhow. Okay, I guess we'll go get supplies then. That sounds good. You guys go gather information. Yeah. Good idea. Come on, Marathon and Emma. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> She's going to yeah. start steering Marathon specifically oh, away. Oh, I, okay. Yeah. Cassidy puts a hand on her face and wipes it over her head before turning back to face the adventure. Emma gives the other group an awkward wave as she walks away. <laughs> Run waves. <laughs> Is Birdie pushing Marathon and tugging I don't think Birdie could physically do anything to move Marathon in a direction she did not want to go. So right now she's just kind of leading her and it's a little comical. But didn't you see? I No, I was sitting. I was. I, I, yeah, I, I, I got to show my game. I You guys what told game? me. What <laughs> game? No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it like that. I just meant like. No, I, you I were, got it. I was. Yeah. Wait, what, what were you trying to do? Emma, what direction are we going? 
and we see the three of them turn around a corner. Did you all head towards the cannery side or the, we'll say, traditional side? It made more sense to me that like people looking for supplies would go towards the cannery side and then people looking for information would go to the traditional side. Yeah, that makes sense. Birdie, you've started to lead them away and your path crosses this little old lady. Basically, she looks like a cable knit sweater in a rocking chair knitting another cable knit sweater. And she looks up. You assume she smiles at you, but you can't really tell because the wrinkles just kind of shift around. Birdie is going to go up to this woman and smile her biggest plucky charming smile and go, hi, um, it's very, uh, sorry to bother you. Could I ask you a a question? Of course. Her bushy eyebrows raise up into her sparse white hair, and you can see a glimmer of sharp intelligence back in those wrinkles where her beady eyes rest, and the knitting needles click faster. Birdie smiles a little bit more genuinely because this woman kind of reminds her of someone that she had that was very close to her back on Sasnak. And she even visibly relaxes and she'll point behind her and be like, well, these are my friends. And I was just wondering if we could ask you a question about a symbol and see if you've just seen it around anywhere. Oh, uh, Emma, could you show her, please? Yep, Emma takes the journal out from her belt and opens it to the page where Pally had drawn the square dot code. The old lady squints and then huffs impatiently and puts her knitting needles down and reaches out to try to grab Emma's wrist. Do you let her? Oh, yes. Emma is very respectful to her elders and comes and will bring the journal as close to her face as she needs it. She pulls the journal to within like two inches of her face and squints one eye and holds the other one open real wide and glares at it and says, looks like you've got some sort of square there. Um, kind of patchy, though. You may want to color that in. Yes, ma'am. She smiles. She has five teeth. They're very well taken care of, but there are five. Yes. Um, so for the symbol, it's uh, sort of supposed to be these dots making a pattern. And so if you've seen anything similar in the area, we were just wondering because we're just curious. Uh, you know, there's a certain amount of interest in strange patterns. Cryptography, I believe it is. My grandson has some interest in those things. He's single, you know, and she wiggles her eyebrows widely. The knitting needles have been picked back up and Emma, you find your wrist released. He's over on the traditional side of town. Name of Meyer. You might want to go and ask him. It's all a bit outside of my interest, though. I mostly just try to make sweaters for the jolly joggers of the town. Our our, our resident fishies. They get cold, you know. Emma is kind of kneeling next to the rocking chair from where she was pulled down so that the sternal could be at eye level for this lady. Yet the pull wasn't much strength wise but her grip was iron strong like all the strength is in her hands well yeah and it didn't take a lot emma wasn't gonna resist (laughs) but she stands up and closes the journal which side should we go to oh you're new in town i i often forget that not everybody is aware of glacial's troubles 
there's the cannery side where they operate the cannery and are trying to industrialize production. And then there's the traditional side where they fish in the old fashion, just what we need to survive and set aside for the winter when it's dangerous. The traditional side is where Meyer lives. Okay, so the non-smoking side? Yeah, the non-smoking section of town, you might say. Okay. Just a, a word of advice, though. If anybody asks you your opinions on canning over there, you don't like it. We don't like canning. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Easy. Only fresh fish for me. I'm so used to changing my opinions. <laughs> do, you, do you have a, a, a more specific direction for finding your grandson? She gives you directions. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Apparently, Meyer is a apprentice of a net craftsman, somebody who makes nets for the boats. He is the one who ends up doing a lot of the tying and the fetching, but he doesn't own his own place yet. And she gives you directions deeper into that side of town. It's a few turns. Nothing difficult to follow or anything like that. You should be able to find Meyer pretty easily. Birdie is going to start backing up and starting in the direction that she led them in. And we'll say, well, thank you so much for your help. I really appreciate it, and I hope your sweater turns out great. You just tell Meyer that I sent you and that whoever of y'all is single and has good prospects, I approve. And she smiles really widely. <laughs> Marathon looks at her, flexes, and says, they always do. <laughs> she fans at her face a little bit with a hand. All right, have a good day. And as you're walking away, she says, oh, and don't worry about anybody messing with your stuff. I'm not going anywhere till well after nightfall. And she lifts the partially knitted sweater and under it is a double barrel shotgun. I'll make sure nobody messes with it. They all know that I'm packing. Hell yeah. Thank you. This old lady got so cool so quick. Yeah, I don't trade off with the next one on watch for another six, seven hours. So you got time. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm sorry, ma'am. What was your name? Oh, I'm Gretchen. Gretchen Fisher. Been in this town a long time. Well, Ms. Fisher, it's been a pleasure. And Marathon reaches out for her hand. She shakes it. And Marathon, you are suddenly aware of the amount of strength in those knobbly bony hands. It's surprising. She doesn't crush your hand or anything. She may not even be able to, but you feel power in those knitting digits. I trust this woman with my life. Well, you are essentially trusting me with all your possessions, so that's good. Get out of here, you whippersnapper, single lady, pretty, pretty lady. Go away. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Where are we off to, Birdie? Emma and Birdie have already turned the corner and are following the instructions. Yeah, exactly. Marathon is running off to catch up. Birdie's just like, I miss Nona. Who's Nona? She's a neighbor I had back on Sassnack. She too had a double barrel shotgun that she was very willing to use. Use in a good way? Hmm. I'm guessing from the fondness in your voice. <laughs> it was at least a way that you would approve of. Yeah, in a way that I would approve of. Okay. Marathon's cut up. You know, Birdie, uh, I definitely approve of, you know, you meeting up with this Meyer kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I can already tell you he's not my type. <laughs> Why are you laughing like that? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. No worries. 
What are the Jolly Joggers? I don't know, but that was a really small sweater. In the lagoon, as you walk away, we see in the background a single dorsal fin break the oily waves, continue in your direction for a minute, and then sink back into the depths. And as you go to try to find Meyer, where do we find Ren, Cyphera, and Cassidy? Does Cyphera know where, where we should be heading if you've supplied here before? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Cyphera would be able to lead the group towards a local general store or place where they could pick up basic supplies. It is farther from the center of town than you remember. The town itself just seems bigger, but a lot of that is because there's less people on the streets. The people that you do see on your way there look guarded against strangers. It's just less friendly. You can tell that this rivalry between districts of the town has gotten a lot more overt than the last time you were here. And you do make it to a general store. This is a place that you could get food supplies and cooking supplies from pretty much anywhere. You could knock on someone's door and ask to buy a surplus catch and they would be able to help you out. But you can also get longer lasting rations and things like that at an actual general store. What is the name of the store that you arrive at before you go in? The recycling bin. So it's the recycling bin, Cassidy or Ren. What is one detail on the outside about the store that stands out? I think they have um, strings of proper buoys from the lake, but worked in with some string lights. So it kind of looks festive and it's like a little beacon like, hey, come give us your money. Maybe some net decor, you know, classic oceany stuff. It says the recycling bin, beer, bait, and also beer on the outside. So you go past these nets and the buoys and the lights. And Cassidy, what first catches your eye as you go into this store to resupply? What about the interior stands out to you? There's a pyramid of cans in the corner that look like probably products from the cannery. But there's a big section of it missing. And one of the shop staff hits a button on a wall and sliding down outside from the cannery on almost like an aqueduct chute falls 12 more cans, which are used to replenish that stack just coming out of the wall in the shop. And so you walk into this shop, you have a long list of supplies needed for both Ren and Cypher's operation and the Patna. But the good news is you're all well-funded. So what do they see as they approach the counter? At first, there's seemingly no one behind this pretty tall counter. It probably comes up to waist height. And then they hear, hold on a second. And then all of a sudden they see this child, probably around seven or eight, climbing up the stool behind this counter. And he seems to be a young boy with dirty blonde hair that's cut into a bowl cut. Both of his two front teeth are missing. And you kind of see like his tongue poking out of his lips while he's pushing himself up on the chair. And he's wearing probably a hand-me-down shirt, but he's a very, very cute kid. And he takes a second to gather himself and then just beams at the three of them and is like, welcome to the recycling bin. How can I help you? Oh, well, hello, tiny shopkeeper. Hi. We're going to need a lot of supplies. Do you have them? Are you sure? Do you got them for us? Uh, well, um, I'm sure I'm sure that I have most of them because 
I can't tell you if I have everything because my dad's out back and he knows everything. But, um, and what do you guys need, uh, specifically? God, so sweet. Well, we need stuff that'll keep for a while on the road. I see you got a lot of cans over there. What are they running? Uh, well, money, uh, all of them should have prices marked on them. I don't know much about money yet. I haven't gotten to the math part of my lessons yet. Oh, that's all right. Math's overrated. Yeah. Do you know how to read? Yep, I'm the quickest reader in my class. Cassidy unfurls a small note that's just the shopping list and hands it to this kid. He's going to take it with both hands and then hold it. And he looks very, very concentrated while going down each thing going, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, we have all this. Do you guys need help getting all this stuff? Because I can I can go and get it. I just got to get my wagon. That would be so helpful. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank got you. Got this. Yep. Thank you for shopping at the recycling bin. And he's going <clears> to... <throat> okay. <clears throat> okay. I'll be right back. Thanks. Take your time. He's going to run off behind. Ren leans over to her group and whispers, I used to have a haircut like that. It did not look good on me. Cassidy, you can see Cypher standing behind Ren and she just gives a slight shake of her head in agreement. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's not the most flattering of haircuts. That was good thinking, though. Um, while the kid is busy, we can snoop around a little bit, maybe. Yeah, let's snoop. Let's take a peek. She says a little too loud. You do hear the squeaking of old wagon wheels and clattering as this kid is presumably climbing up shelves to get to things. Cassidy is watching with slight amusement and then sees the kid teeter and almost fall off and then feels a little bit bad. This is how kids learn. Listen, I was climbing on stuff at that age. It's very doable. Oh, I was too. Yeah, I fell down a lot of the same mountain. (laughs) Yeah, seems like it. We've tumbled down similar hills, you and I. You know, maybe. At at least one or two. Mm -hmm. Did y'all come from the same town or? No. Oh, it's not not the literal same hill? Yeah, figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's looking at a can. She's trying to read the nutrition information. It just says (laughs) Omega-3. I wonder if they got their marketing from Arena Juice. They know what they're doing. Now in purple. It's always very impressive. Purple fish seems concerning. Oh, God. No, some fish come in purple. It's the meat that you don't want to be purple. Yeah. So just the scales. Scales are fine. Well, like if I open the can and it's like purple floating in it, that's... Oh, no, thank you. Listen, make, make somebody else try it first. See if the kid's tongue is purple. I'm not going to ask. It seems rude. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, just in walking in here, people look really suspicious. I'm used to seeing that look because that's how they looked at me the last time I was here, but that isn't how they looked at everyone. So, I don't know. Seems a little worse, maybe. Did you deserve the looks, or was it like uh, just what was well, happening when you rolled into town? I mean, what does I know deserve you by really mean? No, nobody knows me by name, All right. but I am kind of distinct, if I do say so myself. This town is distinct. <laughs> nice one. Yeah, fair. Well, at least Cassidy has these pretty flowers on her head. Yeah, those are nice. Where do you keep getting flowers? Uh, I wake up before other people do and go find them. Mm. Can you show me how to do the, the crown thingy? Sure. How long is your hair? Very long. <laughs> 
Longer than yours? Then yes. She pulls it out and is tugging it at its length. It's long, I suppose you could say. I just, I, I meant more just like the technique of how you weave this stuff together, because, you know, sort of hard with my hand, but maybe it would give me more practice and help me refine my control, and then I could make pretty flower crowns. <clears throat> yeah, I, that is a thing I, I can do. Good, good. And while this is happening, maybe Cypher is just wandering around, looking behind the counter, waiting for the kid to face away to see if there's any overt, fancy-looking technology and probably being disappointed in the process. So how long have you guys... What's the deal with Marathon? She's not part of your crew, but she kind of is, but you guys all clearly seem to get along really well. Did you know about the ice murder? Ice murder? What? Uh, we were generally aware, but also we're mercenaries, so murdering people is one uncharitable way to think of our work. Okay, but, like, there's a difference between, like, going to a small enclave of Advantia and killing some bandits than killing somebody literally at a sporting event with a, with a skate. What? That's what yeah. I heard. Marathon? No. That's, that's what I heard. Looks to Cassidy for confirmation. So does Ren, but her shoulders are up by her ears and she's making very choppy motions with her hands. Is that true? Cassidy kind of shrugs and goes, I, we didn't, you know, perceive the actual event. All we heard is discussions on the radio and all the upset fans by the time that we knew her, she was a radio host. So, well, people say a lot of stuff. It's usually never that simple. I was just a little worried. She seems all right. That's the thing. She does. I suspect it was extenuating circumstances. Yeah. <sighs> you just, you got to get by. What if it was like a paid assassination? I think you're overthinking it. I don't know that I am. If Marathon is a paid assassin, then she is the best actress I've ever met in my life. Well, how do you know she isn't? I don't. But I mean, I, hello, Advantia, I kind of thrive on the whole cloak and dagger thing. I'm not very good at the whole mask of a thousand faces, personally. Well, not yet. Not till I make you the mask. Well, we can do that. That's going to be a really big mask if it can fit a thousand faces on it. That's a lot of faces, yeah. I mean, it's I like know. a click-in, click-out interface. I don't worry about it. I like mine. I know it's kind of beat up. I like yours. Um, thank you. Cassidy is shaking a snow globe with a small fish figurine in it. Hmm. I don't know how much this child is going to be able to help us. I, there's... What do you think? You're, Ren, you're good at talking to people. Oh, yeah. I was just, like, distracting them so you can look around. Yeah. You hear clattering noises from the back and a distinct, what? And a, <laughs> presumably a child hitting the floor. And then he goes, okay. <laughs> okay. Are you sure? Yeah. You're doing great. I trust you. Yeah, you just oh, got to get back up and try again. You're doing great. You're yeah. champ. Thanks. You guys are nice. Cassidy is shaking her head, but she's like, I mean, my stuff is getting shopped for, so... As the child says that they're very nice, Cypher is literally behind the counter going through a drawer. <laughs> nothing. Really, nothing at all. I mean, nothing worth our while. I'm not here to steal from a bunch of orphanage people. Although they seem to be doing better than last time, if I'm being honest. You're having this conversation when all of a sudden you hear, Rufus, wait! And this little fish comes 
waddling out towards you and it's just with this little wet pitter patter of and he's wearing a blue and green striped sweater and he's just kind of looking at you and he goes what the fuck is that Farah? that's a kid yeah that's a kid but what what is that cassidy has her head tilted with a look of utter bafflement on her face Ren leans down, she stoops down, and her hands are around the, like, hovering around this fish, but not touching, and she just is like, Farron has a little sweater, Farron, Farron has a little sweater on. <laughs> Look at it! It's so cute! I'm less concerned about the sweater and more that it's it has feet and it's walking on land. Rufus leans his damp little head into Ren's hands. He wants pets. Oilier than I thought it would be, but she pets its little face. <laughs> Ren's used to oil. She doesn't care. The kid comes out with things in both of his hands, and he's like, Rufus, sorry, guys. Um, This is Rufus. He's, he's my pet. Um, uh, Rufus, come back. You gotta, you gotta uh, leave him alone. They're trying to talk. What kind of fish is this? Uh, a walking one? Yeah. He's just here. Yeah, they're all over the place, over by the the shore. I just kind of got one one day and I brought him home. That was very nice of you. Yeah, he looked cold. He looks very dapper in his little sweater. I know. My grandma uh, made him a a sweater. (laughs) Well, if anyone deserves a sweater, it's this little boy. He's going to lean down and wrap both arms around this fish and just be like, Okay, sorry to bug you guys. Uh, I'm all, I'm almost done. I just gotta get the stuff from the top shelves with my dad's help. Oh, if you you can point, I'll grab him. It's all right. No, no, it's okay. You're the customer. Oh, that is true. So, Cassidy, on the we were just talking about marathon, you know, totally organically. Um, what's um, what's what's going on there? Well, she something's brewing. Yeah, she paid to be a passenger to go a long way for a job, and that's what she's doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cassidy looks openly straightforward, knows she's missing the point, and does not care. So what about, like, on a scale of how damp is your shirt from dry to <laughs> moist? Because it seems like there's been some steam. Yeah, it's it wet is the top end of the scale. Oh, there. so it, you're f- even further on the scale than I thought. That's actually probably a good a, a good answer. God, I didn't say I was. I'm just saying I'm specifying the scale for you. Mm, but you, you provided the cap. We've read a lot of those romance novels. Okay. Together, uh, like alone, like just a two. Just like we did today. All right. Did you ever find yourselves stranded in a situation where you were alone and there was only one bed? No, because we have cots and tents. That's a damn shame. Have one of Um, you ever been injured and the other one tends to your wounds? Perhaps in some sort of skating accident. Perhaps. Uh, I mean, wounds, yes. Skating, no. Do you find yourself attracted to her large muscles and sleeveless flannel shirted self? The flannel shirt is new, actually. That seems like a question, Dodge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Reading between the lines here. I'm good at that. I'm good at that. She is. Hmm. So you guys, are you guys a couple then? Oh, like, for sure. 
We lived together, Cassidy, in yeah. a very small trailer with a pet. Yeah, and the four of us all live in a rig. Yeah. Yeah, well, like, there's just two of us. Okay. I mean, there's four of you. That could that could work out, too. Yeah, not my place. I don't know these things. Yeah, that's why I'm asking. We just love love, you know? Uh-huh. So, um, so back to the shirt question. Answer it. Listen, you can be all tough, lady, but you got flowers in your hair, and that's really sweet. So I know you're not all cool, tough as nails. Although your tattoos are very cool. Mm, obviously, yeah. Well, thank you. Cassidy crosses her arms and smiles broadly. Mm-hmm. Man, gonna have to get you a laundry line, you know, for drying your clothes. On a can of. How wet they are from all the ice skating. Ah, uh, yes, that's... See, I was gonna say... Maybe you should, you know, try to, like, open up a little bit before she ice skates out of your life. Yeah, um, we we know that this is a pretty shitty world most of the time. So when you find somebody that makes a difference or makes you feel different, good, just makes you smile, even if it goes against what you think you should show other people and gotta be tough, it's worth letting them know that in your own way. You never know what's going to happen. Well, what's going to happen is either we're going to finish this job or she's going to get killed in the line of duty. And that's how it goes. So, yeah, it is. You're right. But till then, there's a whole middle swath of time that people, I don't know, people tend to forget about. Yeah, you're focusing on the the end of the story, but you don't know how long it is. Are you really going to be satisfied if you let it stay? You don't change it? Life's for living, Cassidy. Don't let it pass you by. Trust me. Once you know how the story ends, you've seen it a few times, it doesn't... You can only remix the middle so many ways. I don't believe that. Life's partly luck, but you can change things, too. You can push it in different directions. You can control the chaos or create a little bit of your own. Exert your will. Be chaotic. Do something unexpected. Change the order a little bit. Might find you like the new order a little better. That's all I'm saying, you know, big, burly, professional, ice skating athlete with a smooth as silk voice, radio personality. Yeah, let me let me just go out and change the way the world works. Just just rewrite all of it single handedly. I don't think anyone said that. I'm talking about your life, sister. But do what you want. You will. I know. But I'm making you hear it so that you remember it later and you can hate me all you want and have a smile on your face while you do it but you're still going to show me how to make the friggin' flower crown thingy. Did Cypheris censor herself when the kid walked back around the corner? (laughs) Yeah, let's go with that. Cassidy looks towards where this kid is. The fish is trailing behind him as he puts the last couple of things from the top shelf into the wagon. Farrah, can we get one? Farrah, don't ask for anything. Are we going to be able to take care of it on the road? It's a fish, Rennie. I know, I know, I know, but it's a fish. We don't, we're not always near water. But it's so oily, I could use it to fix Servo. Gross. Well, why don't we ask some people about it, okay? All right. As Cypher turns away, she has a very dubious expression on her face. This fish is going to haunt Run for the rest of her life. Cassidy takes the opportunity of their gaze being broken by the fish to go out and stand on the front porch at the store and just look out at the town for a little bit, letting the door close behind her. She's had enough conversation. The kid is going to poke his head back into view and start pulling the wagon towards the counter and be like, Uh, she knows she's got to pay still, right? 
Oh, we got this. Oh, you got it? Okay. Yeah, we got this. We do? Yeah, right? That's for us. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, that was her list, but... Oh, was it? Shit. No, sorry, no. The kid reacts by covering Rufus's ears. Oh, uh, can you go get her or something? I'm done. I have all of your stuff. Do you, uh, are you guys not paying together? We're not. Here, tell you what. She'll help you out with what we need, and I'll go get Miss Grumpy Pants to pay you. Okay. And my list is itemized. She, like, unfurls a scroll. Oh, okay. Okay. I can I can get started on, on this one. Well, I gotta go get my other wagon now. You got this. Okay. <sighs> she turns to Farah and is like, I've never seen someone so stuck in the mud about another person. That was wild. Well, she's stuck in the mud right now. Might be stuck in something else later. <laughs> anyway, Cypher goes to poke her head outside and says, Hey, love machine, you gotta pay. Cassidy ignores this. I'm sure you're talking about someone else. She comes outside and leans wherever she is and looks in the same direction and just waits. There's a giant black plume of smoke in the direction that she's looking as she's watching the smokestacks at the cannery. You don't get lonely? Just being all cool all the time. That doesn't tire you out. That's what climbing is for. To be even lonelier when you're high up away from everyone? Exactly. Is that just your fuel? That's that's your brooding thing? No, I just like the solitude. That's fair. I'm not trying to push you into doing anything you don't want to. I get it. I used to feel more comfortable by myself, working for the adventure, doing what I was told, picking jobs, feeling like I was doing something, making a difference. And then you met Ren, and it all came tumbling down. Um, sort of. I mean, not, probably not in the way you think, but yeah. She, uh, she stole some tech from the compound where we were both stationed, and she escaped with it. I think she was trying to help some townspeople, but they rejected the order, so she decided she wanted to do it anyway, and it was my job to go get the tech and bring her back or make sure she wouldn't be a problem anymore. It's funny how things work out, huh? You brought her back, but with a ring on it instead of in chains? No, actually, um, I didn't bring her back. I, I went after her, and um, I apprehended her, and in the process, I set off some of the tech that she had procured. It was my fault. I didn't listen to her warnings. I thought she was trying to weasel out of it or get away, and I blew us both up. And then person that she is, she dragged me away from the wreckage when she had one fucking leg and put us both back together. Just cause. I don't know, that kind of thing makes you see somebody different or makes you question whether what you're doing was so right. I don't know. I couldn't do it anymore. So I lied. Said I found her and got the stuff back and she was under observation and never took her back. And Susan was content to leave it that way, I guess. She probably knows, but it's been okay so far. And it's all, I mean, I guess there wasn't a choice. It was a choice to continue. The choice was made for you. What do you mean? There wasn't a point where you decided to just go for it because you were, the circumstances thrust you together. I mean, we didn't just magically fall in love. It was time and attention and traveling together and learning more about each other and surviving, going through stuff. Sure you know a little bit about that? I am familiar. 
I'm sure it's different for everyone, but I don't have a lot of experience with it. It's just how it shook out for me. But I know I'm better for it. I'm... I lost a few things, she says, wiggling her fingers. But I got a lot, too. See, I got a lot last time, and then I lost more, so... Fair enough. I'm sorry for what you did, Lowe's. It's never easy. But you never know how the maths can work out. <laughs> Something I learned being around Ren, for sure. Wacky science makes the math wacky, too. <laughs> Yeah, wacky science makes the world wacky and chaotic. I don't know. Don't live with regrets. That's what I'm trying to do. Because maybe I'll blow up again tomorrow. Who the hell knows? Just trying to do a little bit more good while we're here. Be selfish. Make yourself happy, too. Now come inside and pay this fucking kid so we can get out of here. Cassidy shrugs, gets off the railing she's leaning on, and walks back inside. As they come back inside, Ren is actively kneeling making the fish dance. Like, you know, when cats dance, but they are not in a mood to dance, so they look very dour. Imagine that, but on a fish face, but more of a wet slap sound when its weird little legs hit its body. The kid is back up on the stool and is just kicking his legs and being like, and um, and, and then uh, my, uh, my, um, my dad and my, my pops, they promised to take me up to Treol for my birthday this year. And, um, so we're going to do that and we're going to, um, um, we're going to go see, um, some, some really cool ice derby games because my pops really likes, uh, ice derby. But my dad doesn't really like ice derby because he says it's too violent for me to watch. Well, I kind of like it because I think it's super fun. It is excitement. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh. Hi, gr- grumpy lady. That's me. I'm grumpy lady. That's your Sorry, name. Sorry, that was rude. Um, no, it's it's. You're right. It was correct. This kid is just kind of look between the two of them and then go. Uh, um, I have all of your stuff. It's in it's in my wagon. Cool. How much do I owe you? Ren whispers to Cyphera. I bribed him to say that. <laughs> the kid is going to hand a slip of paper back to Cassidy and just be like that's how much my dad said it was he he counted up everything for me and then Cassidy reaches into her bag and sorts through to get the amount required knowing that they're reasonably topped off from the payment from the last job money that was most recently Ren and Cypheras He'll lean forward and take the payment, and he just stashes it in a box underneath the counter. And then he'll get up and continue getting everything for Ren and Safara's list. It doesn't take him as long because it is so specific and pretty well organized. And so he comes back in about five or so minutes with a second, slightly smaller wagon. And he'll be like, okay. I got my dad to tally this one up, too. So here you go. And he's going to hand Ren the slip of paper. Thank you very much. Yeah. She slides the appropriate amount onto the table. It just goes straight in the box. Well, um, if you guys don't mind uh, leaving the, the wagons out in front of the store when you're done, they, uh, that would be nice because they're my wagons. You got it, kid. No problem. Yeah, we'll bring him back. Safe and sound. Thank you. Thanks for your help. You're doing good work. You're doing good. Hey, good luck with your lessons. Thank you. Don't stress about math. Tell Rufus I love him. Okay. Thank you for shopping at the recycling bin. It's been a pleasure. So we cut back to 
Emma Marathon and Birdie as they have worked their way through the non-cannery side of the town and are in the process of deciphering these instructions and find themselves in front of a net maker's shop. Seated outside, you can see a very, very tall man, wildly tall, long limbs, maybe six foot eight, six foot nine. He's seated on a stool that is much too low to where his knees are almost up by his ears. He looks to be about 26, 27 years old, gaunt cheeks, long black hair brushed back and down to his shoulders, and is squinting and deeply into the fine work of knitting these nets together and repairing them. He looks like a spider in the middle of a web as he is trying to build this net back out, and you can hear rustling from inside the shop. There is no marker on it. Really, the only indicator that it's a store is that it's covered in nets. Damn. Well, I, I'm, I'm very surprised that Meyer has not caught a uh, girlfriend with all these nets. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> Got it. Meyer looks up at this joke and just makes eye contact with Marathon from across the street. Marathon! You're not sure if he heard you, but maybe he did. And you just feel this moment of awkwardness. And then he goes back to working on the nets because you can't keep eye contact with him. Did, did he hear me? I have no idea. How tall do you think he is? He's real tall. Not taller than me. No, oh, I think yeah, he's I, a lot taller than so me. much. Look, look at no, how long okay, his no. legs are, Mary. No way. No way. Oh okay. God. Well, I'll walk up. You'll see. I thought I'm that we tall. were going to get like a... I mean, he might be taller if he's sitting down. Uh, Meyer? Mr. Mr. Fisher, I assume, maybe? Meyer looks up as you call his name and goes to stand up, stops, sets the nets down, and does sort of a crab sidewalk out from under the overhang of this shop and stands up to his full height. And it is like watching a praying mantis unfold as he gets all the way up and stretches and you all can hear his shoulders and back popping at his full length with his arms stretched all the way out. It must be a trick of perspective, but it looks like he could touch both corners of this shop with both arms. Just very, very tall. And as you see him stretch, also very well muscled. And as he finishes his stretch, he says, <clears throat> Yep, that's me. I'm Meyer. This is not, well, I was going to say this is my net store workshop. From inside, you hear production facility. All right, production facility this week. Uh, kind of weird you're here looking for me by name. What can I do for you? And he smiles real big, and you notice he has glorious pearly white teeth, and his eyes crinkle up with his genuine smile, and for just a second, you can see his grandmother reflected there. Oh, you look you look just like, uh... Gretchen. Yeah, you... Hi! Uh, um, do, do you want... You can, you can introduce us, if you want. Ah. Oh. Marathon is trying to posture herself. She's not used to being shorter in a conversation, and so she's figuring out what to do with her hands in order to seem like she still has a physical power in this situation. Uh, 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 you, Mr. Meyer Fisher Gretchen sent us. We're looking for someone with crypt, cryptology, cryptology, crypt, cryptopictology skills. Uh, cryptography. 
Cryptography. Yes. Yeah, crypto in general, that's a weird science. It's pretty much extinct. Nobody deals with that anymore. But yeah, that's me. I'm glad you're not here for nets. You'd have to talk to my, uh, uh, what is an apprentice's leader called? I'm not really sure. And from inside the facility here, production leader. (laughs) Production leader, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So cryptography, you say, got a code need breaking. He leans onto a railing around the shop, bringing him down closer to your height, but managing to make it look fairly natural. And as he's closer to your all height, says, you got a secret love letter you're trying to decipher? And winks. (coughs) (coughs) No. No. Emma appears unaffected by this Um, and pulls out the journal. We we have one of these, or two of these, actually, and trying to find someone who knows how we, we could decipher it. And he looks at that. And he squints at it just a little. You get the feeling that maybe being nearsighted runs in the family a little bit. And as he leans in towards it, he clearly recognizes it. His face goes slack. He straightens up to his full height and bumps his head on the overhang that he was leaning under again. Grimaces and rubs at the top of his head and leans back down. Yeah. uh... Oh my gosh, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Doesn't it's never happened before? Uh, uh-huh. yeah. So, gonna be honest, really wish you hadn't showed me that. There's been a few of those floating around the area the last, I don't know, couple of years. Sometimes people find them when they're looking around ruins or find some wild tech, and those are on there. And I gotta tell you, for the life of me, I haven't been able to decipher it. I think it's got something to do with like a binary placement, but I need some sort of cipher to reference what each piece means and what it allocates to and I just I don't have it nothing nothing really works it's not like a normal written code I'd assume it's I don't know something to do with computers right and he shrugs a shrug on this man is something to behold both because of muscles and because of the total amount of mass that gets moved Bertie is still just looking up at him because she is an astounding roughly five foot two and is just trying not to seem like she's rocking up onto the tips of her toes, but is definitely doing that. Where can we find a cipher for you, sir? Or can you point us to any of the other people who found one over the past few years? Yeah. Next approved vacation is two months. I don't think I'm going to be able to help you much with this. Apparently, next approved vacation is two months, he says, shaking his head and looking back towards the shop. Your production leader sounds like he sucks. He does. Well, he's okay. The problem is that he keeps finding old world files on what he calls leadership guides, and he keeps changing the way we do business. And all we're doing is making nets that it's just the two of us. Like, there's no reason for it to be like this, but it's it's fine. I I don't think we need you to go on vacation. Um, can can you just? point us to somebody else who's looked into it already, maybe? See, that's the thing, right? I don't think a lot of people have done anything with these in general. So, I have an idea. Okay. Because, like I said, these are normally on pieces of wild tech or referenced, but Mm -hmm. they don't ever seem to be 
necessary for operation. My guess is that they reference operation or something like that. Like they point to something else because they're all the same size. So the amount of data they store can't vary that much, right? Theoretically? Yeah, maybe? and because the, all the squares and dots are in different locations. Yeah, so it's like a code, right? Yeah. Um, you know, here's what I'm going to do. A couple of days from here, along the coast of the Glacial Sea, there's an old building, an old lab, an old something that might have the technology that you're looking for. References that I found looking through old records and stuff say that it did something with deciphering or something with data repositories. I don't know. You all look... Now, pardon me for making an assumption here, but you all look like mercenaries, like capable women. Partially because you're all armed, uh, but it would would that be safe to say? Emma shifts so that the giant sword that's hung on her back moves a little. Yes, that'd be accurate. Okay, okay. Um, and we're good at it. Marathon flexes. Meyer leans way down to stage whisper to Birdie and says, hey, uh, she knows that saying that out loud immediately makes you question that that's true, right? I try not to question the things that she does. Well, with arms like that, I can understand that. If you, uh, you don't want to argue with someone who's that strong, right? Nah. Like, just in general. Okay, well, anyway, what do I know? I work on nets. Long story short, let's, let's work out a deal here. I'll give you the location of that lab. Uh-huh. And in exchange, you can use whatever's in there to decipher your little what's who's it but you bring me back however you did it. Either, like, what the cipher is or some files. Bring me back something to make it a fair trade. Would you do that? Then I don't have to leave. My production numbers can stay where they need to be. The workshop just seems to emanate satisfaction at that statement as he called it back over his shoulder. And you all can figure out what your little square code does. I mean, I... Since we don't know how we're going to decrypt it, I don't want to commit to physically bringing something back in case it's a giant, massive thing that we can't move, but can definitely tell you about it. Yeah, or find out a way to let me in, or bring back some files, like something, whatever you think is fair. Like, I'm not going to fight you over it. Yeah, we can tell you if it's interesting, and when you get your vacation in two months, uh, you could head out there yourself. I have a feeling we're going to cycle back around to the one that says that a four-day work week is the most efficient. I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll probably get some time before that. We'll see. Okay. Either way, here, give me that notebook and a pencil real quick. Let me write this down. Okay. And he starts writing furiously, and you see that it's detailed instructions. So there's no coordinates, but it's very much like Wayfair instructions of going north for this long and then south, and these are the landmarks. And he even does some quick sketches of some rock formations and some fallen trees and things. Like, he knows exactly where this is. And after a couple of minutes of silence, he's got his tongue stuck out of one corner of his mouth as he does all the drawings. He hands the book back and says, if that can't get you there, then you're not going to be able to help me anyway. Have you been there before? Yeah. Okay. You'll understand when you get there. Uh, there's no getting past that front door, unless maybe you have some secrets that I don't. Oh, okay. 
All right. That that makes sense if you weren't able to get into the building. Okay, sorry. I was, oh, yeah. Those are incredibly detailed instructions. Yeah, that building's sealed up tighter than a Jolly Jogger's butthole, if you know what I'm saying. And he smiles real wide. Ah. <gasps> I do not know what you're saying, but I'm going to assume that that means tightly. What? Yeah, very. What is a Jolly Jogger? That's like a fish. What? Yeah. Why do you know what a fish's butthole is like? Well, they have legs. What? What? Huh? Wait, the fish? The fish? Are you joking? Are you? You just got to town, huh? We just got to town. Uh, Don't worry about it. It's just a little, like, uh, piece of the local vernacular. You probably won't see one. Some people don't even think they exist. Why do you know what a fish's butthole is like? Well, I could have said, like... I mean, you catch fish in nets, I would assume, you know. Yeah. What, what does that have to do with their butthole? <laughs> well, you have to gut fish. I don't know. Y'all ever... We are very... Hey, hey. What is happening? He does the calm down gesture. You are very butthole focused right now. It was just to turn a phrase. You brought it up. I heard it from my grandma. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Oh. Gretchen. Right. Gretchen's doing some stuff in her spare time, I guess. Fishes don't wear clothes. Well, sometimes they wear sweaters, but... What? Don't worry about it. Don't forget about it. Look, you've got the coordinates now. You can find out whatever you need to know. I would just say be careful. I would imagine if the front door is any indicator that there's a lot of security on the inside. Okay. I would feel really bad if something happened to y'all because you look very capable, but you're also very pretty. And I would hate for you all to be removed from the world in your prettiness. And I am talking too much. And he's blushing at this point. I got to go back to my nets. Plus, if something happens to us, then you don't get the information. Well, yeah, but like if something happens to you and then the door is open. No, yeah, you're right. I wouldn't get the information. I feel really bad about all that. You'll be fine. I'm sure it's not that bad. Like if I could deal with some of the less secure stuff, I'm sure you could deal with whatever they have in there. Okay. Emma is doing the slow nod of someone who's like, oh, wow, okay, you're getting really awkward. I talked too much. I think I started cool, and it just kind of got out of hand. I... Meyer, um, looks like the production line needs a little work. From inside the building, you hear, what? He's like, god damn, okay, okay, fine. Uh, nothing. I'm, I'm, uh, we are meeting our quarterly productivity requirements. And he sits down back amongst the nets and starts putting them together again. It just waves you off impatiently. No wonder he's single. Erda, you're not going to leave him, like, your, your, you know, your name or your contact or anything? Marathon. (laughs) She just kind of looks at Marathon very blankly. Marathon is very giggly, teasing you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. Uh, see see you later, Meyer. Thanks for the info. Bye. Sorry I was weird. I feel bad now. It's okay. We're kind of used to it. It's all right. Don't worry. I am pretty. Yeah, you are pretty. Hey, I, yeah. Stop. No, <laughs> I can say it. Fuck. What the fuck is a Jolly Jogger? And as you are walking back towards the rig, you see a squat, very round fish with four stubby legs toddle across the road like if a baby doll was self-propelled. And Meyer points and goes, that, that's a Jolly Jogger. Oh, cute. Oh, my gosh. I got, okay. Now, first Are thought, you? kick it. Bad no. idea. Yes. Marathon. Bad idea. Sorry. No. 
It is cute, though. <laughs> it has legs. It's so ugly. It's cute. Oh, it's terrifying. I'm going to kiss it. No. no. That's even worse. Marathon runs to go kiss <laughs> this jolly jogger. As you run towards it, it rotates slowly towards you. And as you get closer, it goes, meh. And then it opens its mouth real wide and barfs its tongue out. And there's this this giant, big, pink, floppy thing in front of it jiggling around. And it's really off-putting. And you suddenly don't want to go close to it at all. That's bad. That's bad. Hey, backing up, slowing down. This is bad. Okay. What do I want to go back to the rig Let's go back to the rig. Can we leave? Guys. I'm going to try and get it to come with us. No, that's fine. Leave it. Leave it. Marathon, you don't know where that's been. Come on, little dude. It is slowly sucking its tongue back into its mouth very slowly, dragging bits of dirt off the ground with it. Oh, it's just eating. Emma is walking away. As Emma is walking down the road, presumably keeping its distance from this fish creature, it is slowly rotating so it can keep its eyes on everyone in front of it and backing slowly into an alley. No, come on, come back, come back. And we see Cassidy and Ren and Cypherra walking back towards the rig with large piles of supplies wrapped up and neatly branded with block letters that say the recycle bin on all of the packaging. And as you all are approaching, you begin to load up. And a few minutes later, you see Birdie and Emma walking towards the rig looking uncomfortable and then about 20 yards behind them you see Marathon with her arms wrapped around a fish that is weakly kicking its legs and going and just trying to struggle free and you see that the fish has little shoulders because they're hunched up by its eyes where Marathon has her arms wrapped under its legs and it looks annoyed very annoyed Marathon, you really gotta let it go. Marathon, please put the fish down. I want it to like me so bad. No. Ren hustles over and is actively hopping a little bit up and down in front of Marathon. Like, (laughs) you got one? You found one? I I caught it. I caught it. I don't know if it likes me, but I, I... I, it can learn to love me. Maybe it's cold. Maybe he wants my gotta get a sweater. True sweater time. Uh, uh, Gretchen. As you say that, Gretchen latches on to you and says, Oh, yeah, bring the little deer here, would you? Quickly, quickly. <laughs> Cassidy, make her get rid of it. And Gretchen has apparently finished the sweater she was working on when you first talked to her. She takes it expertly crams the jolly jogger into it so that the sweater is covering it, nods satisfactorily to herself, and throws it over her shoulder into the lagoon behind her. No! I I didn't have a name yet, but Avery? Yeah, that was a good one. No, I said be free. Could have been Avery. Avery! Welcome back to MTR 1153. That was just the end of today's broadcast, and we'll be right back to the music after this little break. The particulars of the subsequent can be found in the show notes. This has been A Night of Shreds and Patches, an actual play podcast using the Genesis game system from Fantasy Flight Games. The show was edited by Sydney Whittington and features the talents of Allie Nesbitt and Kira Nesbitt as Ren and Cypherra. Allie and Kira can be found on their show RPG for You and Me, 
a duet actual play podcast. Their website, rpgforyouandme.com, has tons of art from the show, character bios, custom setting rules, and more. You can also find Allie and Kira on Sounds Like Crows, Terminus, and the Night Shift podcast. Not to mention Allie Now Helms, Dark Matter Magazine podcast, and Apex Magazine podcast. You can chat with Allie on Twitter at UCTheHat and at RPG for You and Me. But Kira is accessible through the show's Patreon exclusive Discord, found at patreon.com slash RPG for You and Me. Kit Adamus as Birdie. Kit can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Venus Vultures. Kit is also a voice actor for Elevator Pitch Podcast, a queer genre-hopping anthology podcast that can be accessed on Spotify and YouTube. Penn Van Batavia as Marathon. She can be found on Twitter at Acquired Chaste. Penn is an indie TTRPG designer whose most recent work includes Our Us, an intimate art relationship tool for two, and Unjustice, a dark drinking game set in a violent alternate West. Check out fair other work at penharper.itch.io. Sydney Whittington as Cassidy. Sydney can be found on our Discord server, which is linked in the show notes, and on Twitter at Sydney underscore wit. She's also a contributing editor for the Orpheus Protocol, a cosmic horror espionage actual play podcast. Cameron Robertson as Emma. Cameron can be found on Twitter at MidnightMusic13 and on Instagram at Reading underscore and underscore Dreaming. Cameron is also a player on Tabletop Squadron, a Star Wars Edge of the Empire actual play podcast. And Nick Robertson as Narrator. Nick can be found on Twitter at Alias58. Nick is also the GM for Tabletop Squadron, which you can support at patreon.com slash tabletopsquadron. Nick can also be found as a player on the Orpheus Protocol. This podcast features the musical talents of Dora Violet and Arnie Parrott. You can find Dora at facebook.com slash Dora Violet. You can find Arnie at atptunes.com. The official artwork for this podcast was created by Rashid Alroka, which can be found on Instagram and ArtStation at RashidJRS. You can follow the Patna on Twitter at Akasap underscore podcast or visit the website www.akasap.com. To further support the show, consider joining the Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Akasap where we'll be bringing you weekly content, including bonus episodes, campfire conversations, and other fun rewards. Until next time, signing off.